I don't think love is ever really a solo sport. Hmm. So even our self-love, I don't think that it really is ever a solo sport. This is the What is Sexy podcast. What's sexy? You are. Here, we're helping you live as your sexy self, exploring sexiness as a gateway to mind, body, spirit, healing, intuitive intelligence, high performance, and even self-actualization for your most alive and fulfilling life. Here, we're bringing you the juice across cultures, constructs, and ideas of past and present in order for you to embody even more of your full potential and come home to your sexy self. This episode is brought to you by Sexy Sound Healing, the audio streaming platform revolutionizing the sound healing experience. This multi-genre music is engineered with scientifically proven healing frequencies that support everything from optimized brain function and trauma release to intuitive development and spiritual liberation and yes, sensual pleasure so that you can energize your body, activate your voice and embody your power. Visit SexySoundHealing.com today to get your free trial. Today I am talking with Jessica Dixon, a life empowerment coach whose work is at the intersections of anti-racism, the Enneagram, and embodiment. And if you don't already know this about me, I also have background as an anti-racism coach and decolonized coach, so we get into it. We are both very passionate about living a decolonized life and dismantling um, all forms of oppression that live inside of us, no matter who we are. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I cannot wait to hear what you think. When when all this talk about slowing down, that doesn't feel good to people who have been socialized, who have whose safety has depended upon them keeping up with whiteness. Mm. Yep. And so it makes sense that there is pushback. It makes sense that there is I don't want any kind of leader who is quote lazy because and especially as a black woman you are all the stories about lazy who are those people they're they're the black people you know black people are considered lazy mexicans are considered lazy and so you have those stories playing even when even though you know and you even though you have encountered the white people who sit around and do absolutely nothing, <laughs> they just sit around all day and doing nothing. Right. Like true, truly lazy, but get all the money. Mm-hmm. Like we have that experience, but we can't be perceived as lazy or else we will lose every single opportunity. Right, 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 right. Do we really want people being slow from the perspective you just said? Of course not. We right. want people to be safe. We want them to make it. We want, you know, we want leaders that will inspire me to keep going because frankly, I'm exhausted. So I need to feel that motivation. I need one right. of those motivational speakers that just yells and claps really loud and pushes and drives so yeah. that I remember that I have to keep going when I'm about to fall down. and stop. When I'm burned out, when I actually don't have the energy to go on, but I know that I need to or else. Yeah. It's complex. And I think that as we really look toward, even with all the talk about an impending recession, I hear so many conversations about cutting back on spending, but not enough about how capitalism is killing us, about how when a recession comes, we should be able to actually rely on our community to pool resources so that we all survive instead of having to rely on exploitation of more people Mm. in order for us to survive. Those conversations aren't being had nearly enough. It's just like, Mm. well, will you cut out? Here's what to, here's how to budget for your, for the upcoming recession, but not enough conversation about the exploitation of people and why we should not be as afraid of this recession if we actually had an ethic of care and love for one another. Mm, yes, I'm clapping. Yes. Oh, the truth of nature is that nature is abundant. Yeah. Right? There's like, 
I live in this gorgeous area now where I get to see a lot more nature and it's like, oh, the moss is living on the tree and the tree needs the ground. And there's this natural interdependence that happens. Mm. It's a community, right? It's multiple organisms that are creating this symbiotic. They have symbiotic relationships with each other. Humans could have that were we not colonized and through capitalistic thinking, believing structures legal systems, et cetera, to uphold this individualistic mentality of it's me or you, right? Yeah. You got to compete, right? It's, it's yeah. all lack. That's all lack. There's limited resources, limited time, limited money, limited energy in your body, limited love. Oh, girl. Yo. <laughs> okay. Um, and what we do when we're, when we think that way is we actually limit our resources yeah, we literally in our own mind say, okay, I have less, there's less available for me. Yeah. And there's not even a discussion about internal resources, or what right. we could possibly create from knowing ourselves from being connected to our truth and our intuition from the wisdom that exists within our bodies. Um, and what could what could literally be born from that place. There's just this external orientation, right? It's like, well, out there, it's getting smaller. So right. I got to go get smaller with it too. Yeah. Um, with colonization comes erasure. Mm-hmm. And with colonization co- came capitalism as we know it, you know, and with that comes making ourselves smaller. Because everyone and within capitalism, everyone doesn't get to be abundant. Exactly. It's set up so that some will achieve abundance, plenty, all that they need, even during a recession, right? Be touched by it, and others will suffer. Boom. And that's the way the system is set up. Exactly. And it's it's sad, but the way that we internalize that is that we have to make ourselves smaller. That we can't be more. It's not even just about having. It's also like we cannot be enough. Yeah, right. Exactly. We can never be enough. It's not possible to be enough. Yeah. And it's one of the things that (laughs) I was commenting on this Facebook comment of someone who challenged the concept of just being slow, (laughs) having slowness in your day, in your life, um, was this believing. So especially in, let's say, capitalistic culture, time is money. Money is, quote, net worth. People don't hear net when they internalize this. They hear, I am worthy when I move fast enough to make money because the only way that I can be worthy is having money. And the only way I can make money is moving fast enough. Yep. When we actually look at the billionaires and the people who are at the top of their game in any industry, and that's not how they operate because no. it's not the truth of wealth or well being or worthiness. And this is why this journey of decolonization, the understanding of it, the dismantling of it within us, I'm I'm gonna say the destroying of it within us um, is what needs to happen to live in a way that's more fulfilled, that's more aligned with who you are. And frankly, in my opinion, to actually experience what your potential is, let alone go out and live it. I wanna know your take on this. When we talk about the having internalized the colonization, internalized oppression that I have to be small, less than, I'm not worthy, I'm never good enough, I gotta move faster, all of that. There's no space or time to actually consider that there's something wrong with the system and that there's potentially even something greater or truer or more powerful within us. Yeah. Zero, zero space and time yeah when when all your resources mental financial you know emotional when all of them are are going towards surviving it is very hard to step out of that and see that there's something else when you have wealth privilege or white privilege built in built into that our resources, Boom. whether it's network resources, whether it's actually getting, having access to financial capital, which many, you know, black and brown people 
don't have access to, even if they have the educational level, you know, even if they have the credit score, you know, they're still denied access to things that, you know, white people in the same position do have access to. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, we have to look at resources as more than money, but we have to understand that, you know, in this capitalistic society to be able to really pursue our dreams and who we are, we need resources. And the importance of dismantling capitalism as we know it becomes that much more important because when we start to do the work of dismantling capitalism in the systems of our society, but also from our internal sense, then we have more of an opportunity to actually be who we are. We have more of an opportunity to flourish from the level of our soul rather than you know, being the person who has to overwork, who has to be overly efficient, who has to burn themselves out in order to earn worth through the value that we assign to how much money we make. This work of looking and saying like, okay, this doesn't work for everyone. It's because capitalism is set up to have people who are at the top and to have people at the, who are at the bottom. Who, who can be exploited to make more money for people at the top. So there are people who are, you know, making money who are really looking at what does it mean for me to have money, to have wealth, to redistribute wealth, um, to support my community. But that's, you know, that's not most, most people. Right. And so we, that's, that's something that comes with intentionality. Um, and planning. I actually want to pause for a second because I just want this to land like someone's listening to you right now and having the aha and I just want that space I know I know on podcast radios they're like don't have silence but guess what y'all silence is a sound (laughs) and the ahas happen in silence Mm. they happen all the time but they also happen in silence If you're listening to this right now and you just let yourself take a pause right now and take a breath, some people are so afraid to take the breath because they know all the things are going to catch up with them when they finally look at the shit that they never let themselves look at because they were too busy rushing, moving beyond themselves because some external outcome was more important than they were. So I just really want to honor what you're speaking to, because what you're speaking to so easily and freely, what we know is the result of a deep internal experience and journey. That's why y'all know I say hashtag normalize the journey. (laughs) But we're talking about something on the surface that is a deeply seated, deeply felt, deeply ingrained, lived experience that we do not escape in any part of society. This is everywhere. Uh, I grew up with a mother. I love my mom. Shout out, mom, if you're listening. (laughs) My mother used to, my entire childhood, she used to always say, competition is the spice of life. She loved that shit, right? (laughs) She loved it. Oh, competition, right? Capitalism only works when there's competition. Yeah. Right? And so she learned to love it, right? This is the thing. There's a rush that the feeling of scarcity, and I want to get into embodiment in a second around this, um, because there's a rush that we get. Think think about the last time you've been rushed. You're in an elevated emotional state, whether it's anxiety, typically, (laughs) or there's fear that's driving you, a combo, if there's anger, whatever it is, there is actually a rush that we physically and physiologically feel feel in our bodies that can we can become addicted to such that the idea of slowing down not even slowing down but just slowing just pausing is like what i don't want to pause if i pause i'm gonna have to i'm gonna get stuck i gotta stop and or and this is common for people who've experienced trauma self-included it feels boring flat out boring 
Why do I slow, slow down? That's not fun. That's not exciting. The excitement's in the <laughs> adrenaline rush, right? And shout out to all my adventure junkies because I'm totally one of them. I used to be nomadic for years. I, y'all, I've done some wild shit. We're going to go... I'm sure get into it sometime <laughs> through these podcast episodes. <laughs> I've lived some wild shit. But <laughs> the point being that when we talk about what is what's sexy, what's exciting, the rush can feel exciting. But actually what's underneath of that rush, especially in the case of an addiction, is ultimately the desire to connect to something inside that makes us feel more alive and it's not the rushing and trying and proving energy that we are fed from capitalistic colonized thinking and systems it is the discovery of our internal i believe our internal systems our internal resources the aliveness of energy that we have access to that we were taught to be disconnected from in every shape way form possible mm -hmm. it's that aliveness what i call sexy energy that is full of vitality that we can channel into any facet of our life our work our relationships our experience of ourselves how we live our day self-discipline actually high performance even right this isn't, I want to be clear that living in a way that's decolonized and loving yourself in a way that's decolonized doesn't mean you don't work anymore. Right. right? <laughs> it means that you don't work to get worth. Mm. You Thank still you work. Yes. You that still work. You do the things that you love. You do the things that you're energized by, but you're not doing it to get worth. Your sense of self, your sense of worth does not come from it. It's not like a, I have to accomplish or else. It's like, ooh, I get to put my heart, my soul, my energy, yes. my, my passion into yes. this. And oh my yes. God, what might happen if I do that? Yes. What yes. might be possible if I am able to funnel myself into this? It becomes this beautiful experience, um, of connection with ourselves mm. rather than a disconnection with ourselves so that we can actually be more efficient so that we can prove ourselves worthy of existence. Boom. Oh my gosh. Yes. I have chills as you're saying this. It's just, for me, it's chills of truth. I can really give some examples from the past. People talk about Einstein and people who are kind of presented as these mad scientists in their lab that were crazy mm -hmm. and <laughs> obsessive <laughs> and only worked all day and did all of this. And, and this is a nuanced distinction, but it's the, this is the important thing. This is, these are the types of distinctions that distinguish if we're coming from a place of, of internalized oppression, internalized colonization versus are we coming from a place of internal truth? And I love what you just spoke to because Einstein, Beethoven, blah, blah, blah. These people from way many years ago, they were moved by what was true for them. They were just able to be in this way. And if you've seen spiritual texts that speak to this concept of non-doing or speak to this concept of not doing, but being, being through action, it is this, it is being so connected to self that the actions you take are moving through you because of, oh my God, I love how you just said it, that passion, that joy, that excitement, that aliveness, right? That lives inside of us. And we've been taught to disconnect so much that it's really can be hard to believe it's there. Yeah. Yeah. But it is. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> It's there. I got a secret. It's there. You've got a secret inside of you. It's some sexy gas energy. <laughs> and you'll be so much more prosperous. Okay. Let's talk about, I'd love for you to share about, because this is part of the reason I was really excited for us to have this part of many reasons. I was very excited for us to have this convo this going within, this work to decolonize, to find our truth, to actually understand that there is an internal resource 
that is actually more powerful and abundant and prosperous than what we are taught to orient to externally. A lot of this can happen through the body, through the mind, through the soul. There are many ways to connect inward. But one of the things I adore about witnessing your experience is how you went on this journey very outwardly. Thank you for sharing <laughs> your experiences um. on the internet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the physical body in boudoir in particular. Mm -hmm. So um, two things. First, for people who are listening and can't see you, I'd love for you to describe what you look like so they can have a picture in their mind. And then if you would walk, walk me through what was the 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 aha moment that said, I want to do this. I want to actually do something physical with my body and have an expression and representation and all of that. Yeah. Cause I really want for, for those, for someone who's listening right now, who's like, okay, cool. You just said something about something's inside me. I got to slow down to find it. Like <laughs> what question mark, right? <laughs> Cause there are, there are these practical applications of the very conceptual topics we're discussing. Right. So um, yeah, please share with us. So for those who cannot see me, which is everyone. Hi. <laughs> um, I am a black woman, chocolate skin. Mm. I identify as fat. So, you know, people, some people are like, you're so you're, you're smaller than me. So I'm like, oh, honey, <laughs> <laughs> there are, there's a range there. Um, I have natural hair, a little, I have, a, I'm sporting a cute little Afro today. Love it. Um, I have really beautiful, deep dimples, little almond, um, shaped eyes that I think are very beautiful as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about myself with such love and I did not always speak about myself like that. Um, over the past year or so, I've probably gained 30 pounds, if not 40 pounds. And to be really honest, me gaining weight, especially after becoming a fitness instructor, mm. it has reshaped my, I've had to re reshape my relationship with myself and the, the deep level of love that I have found, no matter what size I am, not having to work it off in some way or shrink myself in some way. Um, it's honestly, it's, it's kind of an astonishing thing when I, when I, my younger self probably is like shocked all the time <laughs> that 37 year old Jessica loves her body, even when it got bigger, when you know, she, she already didn't have a body that looked like a fitness instructor. And so, oh my gosh, you know, now she's gained more weight. What are people going to think? You know, I, it's, it's beautiful to not care about any of those things and to, to really cultivate an inner experience of myself that is knowing that I am so beautiful. Um, and that came from work, a lot of really deep work. So when I first, my first introduction to any kind of boudoir photography was when I was in graduate school and my friend had gotten photos done for her partner. And I was like, Ooh, if I ever get engaged, I would like to do this for my partner. And then it was like, Oh, I don't know if I'll ever get engaged. So what, how does that work? So when I moved to California in 2017, I was like, let me look and see what boudoir photographers are, are here. Maybe that will be part of my journey. Not, mm. it wasn't really planning on anything, but then a photographer had a $99 photo shoot um, special every Black Friday. I didn't know this, but I was like, I'll do this for my birthday. And I have since done five photo shoots. Nice. So five total. And I, it all started with that one that I did around my birthday. And it's been a quite an interesting journey for me because the first time it was like, okay, I'm going to work out a lot. I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to do all these things to help me like flush out. So I'm not so swollen or so big and you can, my muscles move. And I want to make sure that I'm small and teeny and, you know, <laughs> my goodness, <laughs> it was a lot. 
the pressure that I put on myself to look a certain way was so strong. And my most recent shoot, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna buy some lingerie, I'm 30, 40 pounds heavier. I'm gonna put it on and we're gonna have some fun. I didn't think, oh, I should eat more vegetables. I should work out extra hard the week, the weeks prior. I did not have any of those thoughts. And what part of my journey is that I, I came from you're fat, you're ugly, you're not, you're not worthy. Mm. I had these ideas of myself that were so sad and so heartbreaking when I think about the ways that I used to relate to myself. I started to do boudoir photos and I was like, actually, you're kind of awesome. <laughs> now I had already been on an embodiment journey. My embodiment journey, I would say started when I actually started charting my cycles um, in 2010, I skipped periods because actually, because I lived in, a, in an apartment that had mold, I didn't know that was the reason at the time. Oh, wow. So I started charting my cycles. I would wake up, I would take my temperature every day. I would chart my cervical fluid and all of these other symptoms that were happening in my body. When I moved out of the place, got my period back, but I didn't know that that was what it was wow. at first. Fascinating. So wait, hold on that. This is new to me. Mold can stop your period. I, I didn't know it at the time, but when I left, I got my period back immediately. Wild. Yeah. Mold can impact so much. It can impact a lot. Yeah. It's kind of wild, right? Okay. I'm going down a rabbit hole after this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> I get that. I respect it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Might be. Please continue. <laughs> Yeah. So I started charting my, so I, I was really more in touch with my body. If I ate this, this is what happened. Um, you know, and if I, after I ovulated, I would be really tender headed. So, you know, after this, this would happen when I was, um, actually bleeding on my period, these things would happen. So I got much more in touch with my body even years before, but I still had this sense of not being worthy. And then I did my first boudoir shoot and I was like, actually, maybe you're, maybe you're okay. You actually are, are, look really good. Like, <laughs> you know, was my body perfect? Did I wish that I could have changed a few things about it at the time? Yes. But as time went along, it became more about an expression of myself that it became of me having to like, quote, land the shot or look a certain way. It, was, it became less about like performing and more about being and yes. being my whole sensual self, um, being fully expressed as I am. It was about being and knowing that I was whole. And over time, as I, you know, continued to do more work around my, my own healing of myself, of my soul, my own anti-racism work, dismantling internalized whiteness, um, and really embracing I'm already whole, which I think some of that came from growing up with a Christian background where you're inherently sinful and because you're inherently sinful, you know, that just leads to a whole, a whole waterfall of things, You're bad. you know, You're that I had to really, really do work around. And so as I continued to do work around those things, they fell away. And I was just left with myself. And I was just then left with the choice. Will I choose to love myself? Mm. And I continue to just choose to love myself. Oh, this is beautiful. You said at one point, you felt yourself stop performing and you started being. Yeah. What was that distinction for you? Was it something you physically felt? How did you know you weren't performing anymore? It was really, I would say a choice. Like I knew before that I showed up and I was going to like pick the exact right outfits and wear the exact right things to look the exact right way that, you know, I would get like a really good picture. And I, there was a time, probably maybe two photo shoots ago, maybe three now, <laughs> three-ish <laughs> photo shoots ago. And I was like, I'm going to show up. 
I'm going to show up and that'll be good enough because I'm good enough. Mm. It'll be enough. Yes. And it changed everything. It changed like, it was just like, okay, look, we can try out these different shots. We can try out this, we can do this. And it became less about like me trying to prove that I'm worthy. And if I take pretty enough pictures, then I'll be able to show other people. See, 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 it's there. It's um, my worthiness is there. I can be sexy. I can be beautiful. And it became more about my internal experience of myself. Yes. I love that, that your internal experience, it became more about the internal experience. Yeah. Gorgeous. Um, something you just alluded to right there was that when you said the C, C, um, one of the things that the colonized mindset, um, you know, this internalized oppressive mindset can keep us in as a pattern of trying to prove. Um, and I'm curious for you in your reclamation of self, how, how you felt the, the shifting around the, the proving. Yeah. Well, the proving felt like this whole lifelong thing. I had this experience of being seen as too much. And so I had to prove that I was worthy of taking up the amount of space that I did. Because if you're going to take up that amount of space, you better be bringing something. There wasn't this idea of you take up a lot of space and there's plenty of space for all of us. So you go ahead and you be who you are in all of your glory. There is a sense of you're taking up space and it's actually too much. So I'm going to need you to simmer down. I need you to be quiet. I need you to be calm. I need you to not ruffle feathers. And all of that, my my proving was really, I needed to prove that I was strong enough. I needed to prove that I was worthy of being here. I needed to prove that, um, you know, that I, that I mattered in some way, that I was worthy of love in some way. And it was a deep, this proving for me was so deep within all of everything that I did, uh, all the ways that I showed up at work, in my relationships, you know, I would keep people at a distance Mm. because I wanted closeness. I really wanted depth and intimacy. But when I, I, my fear was that when people saw that I was too much, I was, when they saw that I was both too much and not enough that they'd be like, Oh, I'm out. This girl ain't worthy of love. She's not worthy of me showing up for her. And so I, I would split all my time between all like this friend group and this friend group. And I would show a little bit of myself here and a little bit of myself here, but who got really all of me because all of me was too much. Mm. So you couldn't have handled all of me. So why would I show you all of me? Mm. But it left me feeling a little bit empty because I wasn't able to let myself be bare and say, this is all of me. Love me or not. I'm going to choose myself. Yes. Gosh, you are speaking so many people's stories right now. Definitely mine. (laughs) So there is such hope. There is like, I, people are people now, you know, I like fake famous. I don't know. Like I've had a few posts that like people have shared, you know what I mean? They're like, Oh, I saw you posted by whomever. And they're like, Oh, I, you know, I wish I knew you when, and I'm like, I, who I am now is not who I was. Mm. And I'm grateful for who I am now. And I have such grace and love and tender care for who I was when I didn't believe that I was worthy because she is so worthy of love. She's so worthy of being seen in all that she is that other version of me, that younger version of me, but I'm grateful for who I am now. I'm grateful for who I get to show up as now with my clients, with myself, when as a fitness instructor, one of the things that I said to my classes is that I hope that you know that you don't have to earn anything that you eat. Oh my God. 
Yes. Oh, I hate hearing that. It's my one of my least favorite oh. things. I'm like, I'm never going to tell you that you have to burn off enough in order to eat the, eat the pie. You have one life. A slice of pie does not take away your worthiness. It is inherent within you. I mean, we all have our journeys to go on, <laughs> but I want every person to know that you don't have to fight for your worthiness. It is there that you don't have to prove your worthiness, that it is there, that nothing can take it, nothing can take it away. Nothing can take it away. There is not one thing. The thing that you're most afraid of can't take it away. Whether that's something that you're afraid of seeing within you or you're afraid of other people seeing, nothing can diminish your worthiness because it is inherent, implicit within you. Part of what the beauty of anti-racism and decolonization work is, is that, you know, some people who hold privilege have been socialized to believe that um, their privilege is who they are. Oh, this is good. Mm -hmm. Yep. They have been socialized to believe that if they're at the top, then they're okay. And if they're anywhere beneath that, then they have to climb their way to the top. And, you know, when we actually realize that we are already worthy, what climbing do we have to do? <laughs> right. There's no point in it. Well, yeah, we don't need top and bottom. There's no significance. Well, we can focus on the right top and bottom. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, you know. Yes, that that Which part right feels there. better. Switch bottom. Yeah. You know, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> but this journey, it, it's it's a reclamation of of our soul at who at the level of who we we actually were created to be outside of our socialization into white supremacy, into capitalism, into imperialism, and into patriarchy. Yes, and so our our work to say like, okay, privilege isn't who I am. Privilege is something that like society put on me because of this inequitable system. It's something that I hold, but it's not who I am. And if it's not who I am, then who might I become? Yes. I and that's a beautiful inquiry. It is, it is. This is, I'll say at least in my perspective, allowing yourself to consider even the answer can be what catalyzes your next step into truly living this journey, not just reading about it, hearing about it on the internet, but yes. actually internalizing it and going, oh, where's my place in this? Who do I, who am I, who, I, who do I believe myself to be and who do I, who do I want to be? Who do I choose to be? Do I believe that I can be who I actually am, who I've always been underneath all the projections. I, uh, yeah, thank you for this question. Oh, so good. Let me ask you a question since this is the What is Sexy podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does sexy mean to you? To me, it's really this quality of connection to what makes me who I am mm. and sharing that with myself and with others. To me, it's just like full presence. Mm. I think that there's nothing sexier than that, than showing up exactly as I am and as I'm not, but exactly as I am and giving that to myself and others, like what, what beats it? I love, yes. Yes, that's, that's, that's juicy. It just feels, it feels simple, right? It's like almost like too simple, but it's like when you lean into the simplicity of it, what opens up? is vast exactly yes yeah yes as i see it simplicity is where the truth lies mm -hmm. and 
when we experience simplicity, like you just said, this vastness, this is where the mystery lies. Mm. I've had people say to me in the past, a few years ago, I was really, I've shifted my expression on the internet. But I remember people messaging me going, gosh, you're such an open book. Um, <laughs> Cause I have a lot to say, hello. And I say it. <laughs> and they didn't specifically say these words, but there was this implication of there's, oh, what's that? What's that stupid expression people say? Um, don't give away the something to buy that. It's usually a, a reference oh. to having sex before marriage or something. It's like, don't give away the cow. What is it? <laughs> something about the milk and the cow. <laughs> something about buying, people won't buy the cow if the milk's for free. I don't, I don't, is that it? I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Thank you. Um, or these like and or these phrases that basically say like oh you must leave something to the imagination uh, so if you actually allow and this points to what you were saying earlier with only showing certain people certain pieces there's this idea that we are socialized to believe that if we actually show up with all of ourselves then we've given it all away and we have nothing yeah. and there's no mystery and we're not interesting anymore which i find to be extremely sad because the truth of who we are is infinite mm -hmm. and when we actually allow ourselves to experience as you said this vastness it's it 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 doesn't end there there's no <laughs> that's the thing right nature is abundant it doesn't just the the doesn't just go oh you've reached the bottom of who you are it's over like no we are continually living there's a journey there's more to uncover we evolve right i actually think people people who have that mindset are just really there's a fear of the intimacy that comes from being deeply known mm. you know it's like so why you know if you give all and someone actually sees all of you what will happen will you be safe will it be okay and I think that people hide behind these like trite sayings instead of being able to be like, yo, I'm actually afraid of being deeply known. And so I'm going to hold back in all the ways that I can because that feels better to me. Mm. Well, that's yeah, such a good point. Well said. And it is so sexy to see somebody who owns all of themselves. <laughs> Ooh. right because they access it. all of this energy they're not afraid of it anymore i said no that i said anymore because we're all taught to be right. right and it's that oh this when somebody embodies this and they walk into a room that you're in you know they have walked into the room and it's not because they're loud it doesn't have to be because <laughs> they're necessarily loud <laughs> or wearing something shiny or because they're famous there's an embodiment, there's an aliveness yep. because you're literally accessing this amount of energy and holding it, not right? Because when we're afraid of it, we, we give it away. This is when we go and put other people, famous people, let's say on a pedestal, yep. we, we misplace our power, our energy, our resources with them say, oh, they're great and bow down. When actually they're reflecting, what we're seeing in them is a reflection of something that lives within us. And so embodying all of the things we know and feel and love and things that we didn't love and we learned to love about ourselves is for me, oh my God, it's so, oh, I, I find that extremely attractive. And I do believe that actually most people do, but they don't necessarily know that. Yeah, I agree. It's like, um, oh, that athlete's hot because they're talented. It's like, actually, yes, and <laughs> they're putting their all into something because, you know, because there's a passion or, you know, I'm a musician, right? You'll see musicians on stage who go, oh, the musician's amazing because they're talented. Like, yes, and they're utilizing all of their, especially creative energy, hello. Yeah. So connected to this aliveness within us. Um, and also as a creative, we bring through you know, whether artists say it or not, there's an intuitive piece or so often people's best work doesn't feel like they did it themselves. Right. They recognize the presence of something greater. So mm. um, 
yeah, all of this. Oh, I just find this energy just so like, oh, you can't see me right now, but I'm just getting my feathers ruffled in my hair. <laughs> I can see it and I love it. <laughs> my hair's still wet from the shower. <laughs> I don't know how this episode is going to wrap. Not, who cares? It's going to be fun. It's going to be amazing. Um, I really want to hear you talk about the Enneagram mm. and I honestly don't know much about it. I it's actually, I'm really interested because when I think about my own decolonization, a lot of it has been releasing myself from any typing or personality test type of categorizations. Mm -hmm. um, I'm feeling I'm thinking in my mind right now I'm looking for an exception in my brain I'm like well I am a Libra but I also had to release a lot of the <laughs> I had to release a lot of the things they said about Libras too for example Libras are indecisive Ooh, I owned that for the longest I was like oh I don't make decisions because I'm a Libra which is ridiculous I'm actually amazing at making decisions mostly because I use my intuition and the answer is right there but especially for me especially about big important things dinner Sometimes I'm still indecisive. I'm like, well, India is good. Oh my God, I love Thai. Greek's <laughs> my favorite. Oh, but actually Turkish. Okay, so I want to hear two things. One, hmm. I took an Enneagram test years ago. I was a seven. I definitely want to know something about that. And two, yeah. <laughs> look, even though I said I, I, my decolonization journey is like, I don't want to hear about typing. I'm like, but tell me my type. <laughs> see we're still on the journey oh i'm still on the journey Always. um and yeah i also want to hear about why you put these things together why why decolonization decolonization and enneagram yeah so the enneagram the reason that i love it is is because it is a system that is not about what we do but about why we do it which actually gives more space for you to not be boxed in by it. Often things it's like, well, Tauruses are like this. And that's my, my, my sun and moon is Taurus and my rising is Leo. So people are like, Oh, this means this, 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 and this about you. Right. And some of those things are accurate and some are not. With the Enneagram, it's about beneath the things that we do, what are the core motivations of our type? So for example, you took a test and you, you know, you got this type seven. So the type sevens often are driven by this desire, need, some would call it to avoid pain. So when there's pain impending, sevens are like, oh, let's go find the thing that's not painful, let's go, let's, let's, let's fill our calendars to the brim so we, we don't have to think about it. Um, you know, let's just get busy doing things that are not that, not looking at that. Now, how that shows up for you, the what that you do and how you do that is up to you. But as a seven, there's going to be this constant checking in around do I need to avoid pain in this moment? And it's going to come naturally and it's going to come unconsciously. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if that's true for me. But I will say, and this could maybe could be framed in, with that same concept. Um, I am always oriented toward what is fun. Like I said to someone yesterday, if it's not fun, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... I say take it with a grain of salt and actually look into it. Like so actually start to do the exploration. Episode. Share this because episode on your IG, it's this TikTok, binary test YouTube, is trying Facebook, to because we love to repost really talk to you shares. about like let us know if you have a favorite quote and patterns in your nervous system about how you've shown up. Spotify or the that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. The Enneagram is about why you do something. And, that you get the and that is the hardest thing to, to see. To you more soon. Because mm -hmm. in our society, we're not taught to talk about 
why we do things. We talk about how we do things, but the conversation about why, how often does that really happen in your life? You know, as children, we're not talked, we're not, I mean, a parent might ask us like, why did you do that? But often it's like in anger or disgust. So we're not, we don't really answer from an honest place Mm. because we're just trying to avoid punishment often. Totally. Yeah. And so we don't necessarily have the skill on a societal level to look at our why. And so it takes time. I was mistyped for a few years and it took me time to really look beneath all of the ways that I showed up to see why, why was I showing up like that? What was, what was the point of it all? So I think that that's important. And one thing that, so the reason that I combine like this decolonization anti-racism work with the Enneagram is because we need to be able to understand how we're showing up and what's going to be a barrier to the way that we show up. Mm. So for type seven, if you, you know, if your version of avoiding pain is, I don't want to hear about that. That's going to be really hard. If you say you're committed to anti-racism <laughs> or any kind of decolonization work, because you're going to have to look at really hard things, you know, for a type seven who might avoid grief, mm. you're going to have to look at things that you're going that we, we need to grieve as a collective. Absolutely. Which means if you're not present to that, you're just not going to show up, but not really know why. Oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh, and the timing of you saying that this week I was working with my songwriting coach and the theme through all the songs we reviewed was, okay, you're telling me things and I'm not feeling them in the song. I was like, oh, which led me to realizing afterwards that I was intellectualizing Mm. the experiences that I knew were painful, but I didn't know how to emote them through the story because I hadn't let myself feel them. Yeah. Um, So that's actually, yeah, the journey I've been on probably for the last like 48 hours. (laughs) I give, I give that the distinction to my clients between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency is this, you know, we can, we, we've been in pain and yeah, like I've moved through that, right? Like I can tell you all the facts. I can tell you how it impacted me but I don't show you how I feel like the emotion behind it. And really like the depth of the heartbreak behind it is often something I can be transparent about some of the details, but being vulnerable about it is a whole other thing. And uh, yeah, I think that it's those, those distinctions, they, they become important. (laughs) Oh my God. I feel that. I feel called out. (laughs) I'm being seen. (laughs) But you know what? I say that, but the truth is that I want to be seen and I want to feel worthy of being seen in that way. Yeah. Right. This, so this is me vulnerably sharing. Like I actually want that. Hence why else would anyone decide to be a musical artist and sing about the very deep, painful topics that right. I've chosen to write about. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, I feel good for having admitted that. I'm like, okay, I've confessed. I'm, <laughs> I'm opening the vast resource that's available now. Yeah. <laughs> simple truth. Yeah. That's the, that to me is the beauty of Enneagram work is being able to be like, oh, I have this block because I was protecting my heart, which is a good thing to have protected. And do I need that same level of protection always? Mm. Or can I pull, can I pull it back in this situation? Can I put it away with people who, you know, have really proven, have really shown that they're trustworthy. And can I then load it up when I'm going to go into a place in which I need it? So it's not just about like letting every, every kind of protection go. Cause that's our Enneagram type is a combination of our motivations, but then our reactivity. So our Enneagram type is both. I desire this. I fear this. 
So what am I going to, I'm going to try to move toward what I desire and away from what I fear. But it's also when I'm feeling an existential crisis, when I'm feeling at threat, when I feel, when I am moving farther away from the thing I desire, when I'm moving closer to the thing that I fear, what is, what is my reaction going to be? How am I going to keep myself safe? How am I going to protect myself? Yeah. And so all of those things add up to these patterns that, that shape our lives that are worth looking at. If for no other reason than to be really honest with ourselves, mm. because, you know, letting ourselves be seen by ourselves is super powerful. And so much of our liberation starts with being able to have that level of honesty. Yes. Being able to say, oh, I don't want to look at that. I think this sucks. This feels hard, um, you know, and being able to be like, all right, now that I've said that, what actually becomes available for me? Now that I've said that, what am I going to choose to move toward instead of reactively move toward or against instead of unconsciously move toward or against? Yeah. So when I was in my, uh, in this session with my, uh, songwriting coach, and I realized I had the moment in my brain where I realized, oh, I haven't been letting myself feel the emotion connected to this. I was full. My, I just felt my eyes just get full of water because it was this grief of a level of disconnection from myself that mm -hmm. I just hadn't consciously realized. And yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. It's, you know, and I have, as many of us do, all the reasons that I was taught at such a young age to not feel my emotion or share my emotion mm -hmm. or it wasn't my, my feelings didn't matter. I mean, oh, that's, that runs deep. Um, that's why I got into music to begin with. But that willingness to be honest is what I see as a starting point for any of this, this work, whether it's decolonization, whether it's just knowing ourselves, whether it's leadership, showing up in relationship, yep. um, you know, feeling fulfilled in, in work. And so, yeah, thank you for presencing this. I'm curious for you, when you think about, because we call this decolonized love, when you mm -hmm. think about the difference between love and decolonized self-love, what would you say that distinction is? I don't think that love is ever really a solo sport. Hmm. So even our self-love, I don't think that it really is ever a solo sport. I love myself and I, and I cultivate love for myself within myself. And that actually gives me more love to give to the people in my world. Mm -hmm. And I think when we view it as just like a solo thing. Like it's just my love for me. Um, it stops us from being able to actually be present to how does me loving me shape how I can love you? How does me loving me open me up to love the people in my community better? Yeah. Cause I actually have more space to express love. I have more words for love. I have more practice on how to love. Um, and I think that, you know, self-love decolonized knows that when I love myself, I have more space for myself and everyone else. Mm. You know, it's, it's that abundance that you spoke about earlier. The abundance, it's always there. And we've had experiences in socialization where we've, you know, been asked to make to make it ourselves small, you know, but the abundance that doesn't actually stop the abundance from being there. Yeah. Yes. Just because we've been told a story about it doesn't mean that that's actually the reality that we're living in. Oh. And so I think that, you know, when the more we love, the more we understand what love is, the more we cultivate it, the more we cultivate it. So the more we cultivate it in us, the more we cultivate it in our relationships. I, I think that there is a one-to-one, that -one, that's the way that love works. Then when I cultivate it in me, I'm also cultivating it in my relationship with you. Yes, a hundred percent. Oh, 
And so if we're, if we're not though, we have to really look at what is love. If my love doesn't exude from my pores and overflow into you, I have to look at what I'm actually cultivating. Is it really love? Mm, That's good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I, got only, I only got a few minutes, so. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're going to wrap it up. I'm like, ah, oh, there's a whole new episode. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so much, Jessica. I adore you. I Thank cannot... you for having me. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear what your takeaways, your aha, your quotables. Look, did y'all hear Jess? There's so many things, just quotables. <laughs> Something about love is not a solo sport. I was like, word? <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> anyway, so let us know <laughs> in the review, in the comments. If you want more of this, also let us know. I want more of this. So um, yeah, let's let's see if we can do this again soon. Thank yeah. you again so much. Big Thanks love. for having me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so glad you joined us for today's episode. Share this episode on your IG, TikTok, YouTube, or Facebook because we love to repost your shares. Let us know if you have a favorite quote. And if you're not already, hit the follow button on Spotify or the plus button on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the YouTube channel to be connected and ensure that you get the next episode. I cannot wait to talk to you more soon. Mwah.